1: Hello, folks, and welcome to episode. God knows six, seven, eight. I'm not sure, but we're doing them weekly. This is the Wisdom Cricket Podcast. Um, today, I'm joined by the Bens, uh, Ben Jones from Crickviz, of course everyone knows about Ben Jones these days, and Ben Gardner from the Wisden Stable will be coming to those boys in a minute. But of course, it's been a big week for cricket and a massive one for the English setup, a first overseas series win since South Africa at the start of 2016. Is that right, fellas? That is very yeah. Much right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Joe Root's superb 100 in the second test, saw them home of course to that 2-0 with one to play result. Um, We are still awaiting the the result of the third test and recording this um, after day one. We'll come to that and Johnny Bairstow's latest resurrection in due course. Um, But of course the women's team, the women's team, uh, 40 overs of nip and tuck and nerve twitches away from completing the double. Uh, Only the mighty Australia stand in their way after last night's Um, Semi-final result against India and, of course, Australia turning over the West Indies. Um, Okay, gentlemen, your moment of the week from a pretty packed one, I would say. I'm going to come to you, Ben Jones. Thank you, Phil Walker. Um,
2: My moment of the week was at the end of the second test between England and Sri Lanka. And it was the one moment in the match where it felt like England might not be going to win it. And it was when Karina Ratney was getting going in the second dig. And out of nowhere... Um, Keaton Jennings and Ben Folkes. I think it's fair to say more Keaton than Ben um, Produced an absolute stunning moment with that bizarre relay catch where the ball's kind of turned around the corner and Jennings anticipates it sprints you know a couple of metres seemingly and then sticks out a left paw pumps it up and Ben Fokes takes it and everyone goes a little bit berserk not unlike at the end of the uh, the game between was it Lancashire and sorry when Will Jackson mm-hmm. did that incredible catch mm-hmm. he was kind of reminiscent of that that madness and I thought it was just quite fun because England are playing fun cricket at the moment, and yeah. that was something that was bizarre and peculiar
1: out of nowhere. And brilliant in the field as well Absolutely. throughout that Test match. Um, ben Ben Gardner,
0: your moment of the week. Uh, mine is from the World T Twenty, but it's not actually from that semi final. It's from the the dead rubber that England played against uh, against the West Indies. That you always have an eye
1: for a story, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> and
0: maybe they were even quite happy to lose that one, England. But for me, it was uh, uh, Sophia Dunkley getting a. a Brilliant sort of thirty-five to drag them out of a hole. It's kind of what they've what they've picked her for. She's done it a couple of times in the KSL. Uh, she got six odd from when, what and sorry were like thirty for five or something, which is a brilliant in their first game. Uh, and yeah, she seems that like she's come in and she's made her debut this tournament, but it just kind of seems like she doesn't really feel pressure whatsoever or, or plays better when there is that pressure. And that's a, such a valuable asset to to have in that team, I think.
1: Yeah, my my moment of the week as well. Another debutant, um, Kirsty Gordon. Um, Poached from Scottish cricket, we can probably say, yeah. um, and she bowls uh, uh, left arm tweak like you've never seen before, or rather, you have seen it, but from a different time. There's a kind of atavistic beauty to how Kirsty Gordon bowls, and um, she's taken I don't know seven, eight, nine wickets in this tournament already. Took three for a course on on her debut in this tournament, and she was superb last night. Two for two for not much, and she got out Harmon Preet with another. Gently undulating moonball leggy, uh, left arm spinner that's never quite there, and the great Harmon Preet just uh, towed one up in the air. That was the key moment, I would say, in that particular match. But we can talk from the the, the sanctity of South London at, at the Oval. But Adam Collins um, and Henry Moran from the BBC, Adam Collins, of course, of this stable and various others, they were out there. So uh, here is their report from Antigua on the back of England's brilliant win against India and, of course, Australia shellacking the West Indies.
3: Adam Collins here with Test Match Special's Henry Moran. At the end of a long day at work, a day where England went to work, they unpacked the plans of India magnificently. They showed... An adaptability, which the other mob didn't, which is why they're playing in a, in a global final in a couple of days. Henry?
4: Absolutely. England's plans with both bat and ball were exemplary. They knew that if they could get the wickets of Mandana and Harmon Kaur, or if they were in ensure that their run scoring opportunities were limited then they had the potential to expose the fragility at the bottom of India's batting lineup. We all remember what happened at Lords in that World Cup final Mm. in 2017 and it almost repeated itself you saw crazy run-outs, you saw ludicrous shots, stumpings, all sorts. They lost 23 for 8 I mean it is appalling from India and I'm disappointed because I think they're a side that has shown so much in this tournament but what we saw from India today is they've got one plan particularly with the ball, they've got one plan they bowl it outside (laughs) off stump and they hope you can't deal with it. But if you haven't got enough runs on the board and teams are confident and competent enough to milk the runs and milk the singles, they're going to chase it down. It's exactly what England did tonight. It was clinical.
3: And even though they did lose 8 for 23 at the death, we felt as though with 112 on a terrible pitch by any yardstick. That should not be the sort of pitch he's produced for a a semi-final of a major tournament. It was slow, it was turgid, it was everything you don't want in women's cricket. They should have been a sniff. They had England 24 for two with Beaumont and White back in the sheds during the power play. Uh, Enter... Amy Jones and Nat Siver who combined for an unbeaten stand took them all the way to the finish line but as you say they needed to find a way to unpick that plan and when Poonam Yadav came on we saw them preparing this week didn't Henry with uh, with the assistant coach Ali Maiden on his knees bowling to them at training to try and give a, a sense of the trajectory that, that Poonam Yadav bowls with. He's been so effective just throwing it out there and, and 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 seeing what would happen but Nat Siver had a different idea which is hit the ball as hard as possible make room jumping across the crease Amy Jones uh, followed suit and they were able to keep the Board ticking over, hit the boundary enough, and India did not have a plan B.
4: No, they didn't, and you could see over after over where they failed to have a player inside the circle at mid-wicket yeah. to stop that easy single. And as soon as you're you're chasing and needing under a runner ball, and you can get single 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 and the occasional boundary the occasional two whatever it might be you're going to win the game but it went on for ten overs (laughs) nothing changed and we were sitting in the commentary box watching and thinking well surely at some point they're going to make a change of plan because this just isn't working in England all of a sudden they're going to need 30 to win they're going to have eight wickets in hand and they're going to win this game comfortably and as soon, as closer as it got to the finish, he thought, they're not going to change. This is just how this game's going to play out. And in the end, it was a bit of a disappointing semi-final. It was a little bit slow. It was a little bit... Uh, it wasn't the sort of thriller that we'd hoped for. Credit to England, though. They made it that way. And as you say, credit to the coaching staff as well from England, who clearly thought through their plans, knew what India were going to do. And they knew if England had to bowl first, just limit it to a target that they could manage. And in the end, England's bowlers came up trumps once they got those key wickets. And Jones and Siver, both scoring half centuries, did the business with England for the bat.
3: And a great job at the selection table as well. It was ballsy picking Kirsty Gordon for this series, Mm. given that she had played for Scotland, but was more or less on the back of one good Keir Super League season. She's been absolutely outstanding. Uh, I admired Sophie Eccleston, who did drop Mandana early, a very straightforward chance at mid-wicket, but she had to bowl to her, ended up picking her up, caught and bowled. Not the most glamorous delivery she'll bowl in her career, but nonetheless, she she did her job and picked up the key wicket there as well. Um, Danny Hazel, who was uh, Mark Robinson's pick before the previous game, they liked the experience of their off-spin. Um, she bowled very tidily too. So it, it was a selection table, it was training, it was planning. Um, they've deserved their spot in the final, and it's a blockbuster against Australia who, Henry, we, we saw... Australia today have to bat on that pitch first and in many respects that may have been the hardest they wouldn't have known what they were expecting when they walked out there today, there wasn't a blade of grass on it, they might have thought there was some pace but within an over or two we knew it was a stinker and seeing the way Lisa Healy adapted likewise Meg Lanning and the way Rachel Haynes stuck the landing, they deserved to make a total which was by far the most amount of runs made on the day and again the West Indies completely capitulated in a similar way to India.
4: Yeah absolutely, Australia outstanding, they've been brilliant throughout the tournament, the one game against India where they struggled. But every team in a major tournament is going to have one game where they underperform. It's the very nature of, of tournament cricket and tournament sport. And the performance today, particularly from Alyssa Healy at the top of the order, she, she looks like oh, she's in the form of her life. She looks mm. absolutely outstanding. Huge player for this Australian side. Meg Lanning's leading the team well again. And, and you've got batter after batter after batter. You, you get one out and suddenly it's Rachel Haynes coming out. Suddenly it's Elise Perry and yeah. you just think it keeps on coming. That's the problem that you've got. I think With Australia and certain teams, India, for example, it's about getting wickets. Australia, it's more about containment and ensuring Mm. that what you're chasing, if Australia are batting first, is within reach and that you can chase it down. It's not so much about trying to get the three or four key wickets that are going to unlock the tail, because there isn't a tail, really. You've got Delisica Kamins who can smack the ball a mile, who's who's batting at nine. It's it's a ludicrously long tail and long, uh, sorry, ludicrously long batting order. and. This Australia side, I think you'd be hard pushed to say that any other side on Saturday's favourite.
3: And I love the fact that the two teams that won today were the two that were willing to adapt with the bat. You saw the way Meg Ladding was immediately shuffling across Mm. the crease and making room for herself, likewise Rachel Haynes at the end. So, look, we're seeing the two teams who are willing to take it on and play a different way in different conditions. We can expect much the same on Saturday. I don't imagine the pitch two over is going to play any better than the one we did today. So what it might actually turn into on Saturday is a very entertaining uh, game of tactical cricket mm. so that should be fascinating to watch I'm sure everyone is listening to the Wisden Cricket Weekly podcast will be doing precisely that and, and thanks to Henry for joining us uh, throughout the course of the series so far.
4: Absolute pleasure it's been really good fun I, I think this World Cup has deserved a, a bit of a run fest at some point we're not going to get it in the final I can't see how that's going to happen we, we've been waiting to see how the likes of Ash Gardner for Australia, Harmanpreet Kaur and Smriti Manda and we've seen glimpses at how they might strike the ball even you know Sophie Devine and Chloe Tryon for mm. South Africa all these big name players we come to at this part of the world and think what kind of scores what sort of hitting are we going to see it's not going to be like that on, on Saturday evening it's going to be as you say much more tactical but in its own way it'll be fascinating you've got to say Australia are favourites but who knows
3: yeah absolutely right Good night from Antigua enjoy your week we'll talk soon
1: Right then, gentlemen, throwing it forward to midnight Saturday night. Um, it's, it's a witching hour and I dare, dare be, be terrified of what you two tend to get up to um, out there in your East London warehouses. However, um, there's a game of cricket going to be taking place between these two mighty sides. Um, it's a tough one to call. Most of us had this as the final. Um, it's the final probably that the tournament deserves. have been the most consistent sides throughout. Um, how do you see it overall, and specifically, which individuals do you think are going to be key here? Ben, uh, Ben G, first up.
0: Well, I mean, from Australia, the one person. I mean, she's not who you'd pick out. You'd pick out before the tournament, maybe, but Alyssa Healy has just been in absolutely stunning form. She's been a uh, like it's bit pictures that no one really has been able to score freely on consistently, and she has basically got a. a a score every time she's batted
1: 56 from 34 or five balls last night where no one else could really hit it off the square
0: yeah 21 ball 50 against Ireland she's yeah she's been amazing and I think it's she's not come from nowhere she's been around for a while but I don't think people realize she could be like the
1: main say throughout a a whole tournament yeah Um, leading run scorer in the tournament so far um and for England women
0: well I think I think it's it's not silver for me uh she um not she's obviously we saw how well, she batted last night, and we know she can sort of do all the types of batting. She can she can hit her miles if needs be, or she can be canny and uh, accumulate accumulate a half century. But I think it's it's the bowling as well that will be really important. With England not having brunt, and with Nat Siv as sort of... She, she kind of just g- grows with the occasion, I think, mm-hmm. that um, she, uh, she remodeled her action coming into the tournament. She did a bit, bit of work. She was sort of all going towards the target, whatever that means. And... Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh but but she but she she's bowled really really well She she seems to be quite enjoying taking the new ball, i think and mm-hmm. I, 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 it's, it's' just uh yeah i mean and she kind of affects the game whenever she plays it you know,
1: So there are more high profile uh, uh england England stars and in some ways more charismatic obviously charismatic England stars in this team, but nat Siver is pound for pound England's best cricketer, Ben Gardner do you agree with that
0: uh yes, yeah, I think I do, especially in. Twenty Twenty cricket because she is the she she is the one who can play all the roles in that the the easier. she she glides between anything you kind of and not even anything you ask her to do she just kind of seems to just have that innate game understanding where she can pick it up like whatever needs to be done so yeah I, I I'd say so I mean obviously obviously they have lots of brilliant cricketers and Brunt is the other one if she was fit mm. really because she she can she's really really important in that middle order normally yeah and she obviously can bowl really quickly and again, has that kind of fire to it.
1: Yeah, it's obviously a desperate loss on a personal level uh, for, for Catherine not to, not to have overcome that injury. But also, considering that Sarah Taylor is not there either, it's, it's, it's a top effort by this side to have got to the final. Mm. Just on that, Siver, I interviewed her a month or two ago at Lord's just before they, they headed out, and, and I asked her, um, are you capable of becoming the best player in the world? And her answer was immaculate. She said, quote, I think that could be, and I want to be, but I'm not there yet which is such a delightfully sort of succinct, to the point, uh, modest and yet tellingly uh, self-assured answer. Uh, I think she has that capability. Um, she, she hits it with a purity that you don't, you don't see in many other cricketers around the world mm-hmm. of, of either gender. Um, and she took that game away from India last night through power. And it's, it's, it's a word that we don't like to use around women's cricket too much because we prefer to consider the finesse and the elegance and the, the strategy, but Siver on a on a a slag-heap pitch took that game away. And Jones Amy Jones played beautifully as well, but it was Siver's uh, injection of power that, that changed the, the course of that game. Ben Jones, can she become the best cricketer in the world?
2: I don't think she's that far away already, to be honest. I think she's her bowling has obviously improved since the remodelling, and that's made a big difference to just how easy she looks at the crease, I think. And what I've really liked watching her in this competition is the way that she's swept the ball so well on pitches like you say that have been not the most conducive to fast bowling, but they've been they've been gripping, they've been turning, they've been spitting occasionally when mm-hmm. someone's put a bit of a bit of something on the ball, and actually she's been confident in using that in using that stroke, not unlike in manchester team at the moment. There's, yeah. there's a kind of similar ethos there in terms of how they are willing to make a decision about what is the best tactic in the situation and then just execute it regardless of, you know, when you take something that extreme and you just keep doing it, you're going to attract criticism if it goes wrong. Um, and actually she's managed to kind of get, make, make the best of it and, you know, I think she's, if she can take that mentality and put it into everything she does, then yeah. there's no reason why she can't be best within 12
1: months. She also seems like a big match player as well. Obviously, she made the 51 in the World Cup final last yeah. year. She came in in a tricky situation last night, really. England weren't going anywhere. 20-odd for two mm-hmm. after five overs. Um, and she seems like she turns it on for the big occasion. She's not a player to hang your hat on when you're already comfortably in front against an average side. Which, of course, is the mark of a top-quality top, top quality cricketer. Is that, um, is that
0: what needs to do? It's just, it's just that, that consistency to be the best in the world? Well, you're, you
1: you're obsessed with, with numbers, aren't you? So you probably think that. I don't. I tend to mark mark cricketers by what they do when push comes to shove, and, and I don't think that series is that far off. You, you can
2: use numbers to decide when push does become shove, though. So that's yeah. that is quite important. Yeah, you, you can do one of the things if, if you're that way inclined. Need, one thing that Siver does need to do, probably, is maybe just get that extra little bit of pace. Because, like you say, OK, Occasionally, the power comes through in the batting. She's clearly got that athletic ability. And if she could put that extra five kilometers per hour on, then she goes from being kind of a Megan shoot
0: to being a DeAndre Dotton. And all of a sudden, she's a serious cricketer. Yep. And maybe these pitches are where her bowling is sort of best, when there is a little bit of grip and it's not it's not yep. pace on the ball that's exactly key. So maybe in terms of her bowling, that is slightly uh, making it seem better than perhaps it isn't in reality what
1: it mm-hmm. is yeah she's a reluctant superstar Nat Siver, um but it could be her crowning night I, I I suspect on Saturday evening if not uh Nat Siver or at least Elisa Healy who who are we looking at Ben Jones
2: um well it's funny you were you were kind of moving away from the strategy and the finesse but that is
1: kind of, I'm, I'm just oh, that's I'm, kind of where I'm from, where from I come a different time, own, really. from a I, different that's, time.
2: Where, that's where I want to I want to Obviously, this year has been notable in women's cricket for the explosion in the batting and the way that suddenly everyone's scoring rates have gone through the roof and everyone's suddenly hitting sixes everywhere, but that's not been the way that this tournament has gone. It's been a bowlers tournament, and as such, you've got to pick two bowlers to to define the final, and so I've I've, I've crunched the numbers, so to speak, and um, I think it's fair to say that whilst Healy is the most destructive batsman, at least Perry has a... An aura around her in all forms of cricket, and England will want her wicket the most. She
1: was brilliant with the ball last night against the West Indies, changed the course of that innings, or rather, confirmed Australia's preeminence in that game. Took two wickets up top.
2: Well, the reason I've chosen uh, to hone in on Perry is because of all bowlers to have ever bowled to. Uh, to Perry in international T20 cricket no bowler's got her out more often than Danny Hazel. Right. So we don't know that Hazel will play she probably will but she's she's been one of a kind of cabal of England spinners in the, in the competition but actually she gets her out every every 12 deliveries. Now that's that's not no one we're talking about that's at least Perry. Yep. And actually to be able to have to bring someone in like that when you're in the hole and Australia, I don't know. You, you pump Perry up the order, and you get you get them thirty for thirty for none or whatever, and you bring Hazel on. There you go. That's that's your gun card.
1: Sim- uh, so sorry. sorry, just on Hazel. Um, she she didn't bowl so well against the West Indies. Came in for her no, first game of the no. tournament, um. But I thought she showed some some real ticker last night. She bowled she bowled well uh, against the right-handers in particular. Um, yeah. I have a suspicion that she will play with the experience that she, she's got. She also adds a little bit with the bat as well, if, if things get a bit ticklish. Yeah, you
0: fancy with the bat, don't you, Phil?
1: Well, whenever I've seen her in the nets, and I spoke to um, Henry Cowan, the good old Henry Cowan uh-huh. uh, friend to you and I, um, I spoke about Danny Hazel, and she is a genius with the bat in the nets, but it's not quite transferred um, to the middle just yet. But she has experience, a bit of pedigree, um, and I think that she'll probably get the nod Saturday night. Um... The, the one for me, uh, just looking at looking at the England side, is is Danny Wyatt, who we put on the front cover of uh, Wisdom Cricket Monthly a month or two ago. She obviously um, came out of nowhere, a pistol crack of, a, of an innings last year, 50 ball 100 against Australia, um, and then followed it up with another 100 as well. She's not gone especially well yet in this tournament. She, she's made a 27, I think, and one or two other little scores, but the... It looks to me like the nature of the pitches are not really conducive to her kind of game.
0: Absolutely. I think that's right. I think that the, there is one bit of hope for me, which is that in the uh, England played a five-match ODI <laughs> series against the West Indies in the West Indies just before the World Cup in 2016. Um, and she came in for that series, and at that point still hadn't hit an international half center I haven't been around for however long. But she got actually a really key 47, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not not a quick one, but it got England up to like 150, And It was a series with no sort of totals were match winning so she can do it it's almost as if she kind of backs up to give her time and to like to, to not be the player to take the game away and get out trying to do that in a way but to to to, to sort of getting up to that sort of 140 total that could well be match winning and I, th- I think she, she has that in her locker and I think
1: yeah um being as dispassionate uh, and dare I say journalistic as possible gentlemen um how do you see it going where's your money
2: I can't see beyond Australia. As much as I'd, Why? I'd, I'd love the young girls to to step up and raise their game, because throughout the competition, Australia have been behind, so to speak, for so little of the of, the, of what we've actually seen. They've been front runners all the way through. They
1: got beat by India though, didn't they? Got turned over by India.
2: Yeah, in a game that didn't really matter, and I don't think they were particularly too. I don't think they were too concerned.
1: I, When's Australia? well yeah of course never not bother turning up but
2: I think I think that for all the reasons we've spoken about we're talking about for England we're talking about players who have performed okay stepping up and doing really well whereas for Australia it's it's players who have done really well. We're talking about Healy, who's smashing runs left, right and centre. Perry, who's winning matches with bat and ball. Mm-hmm. talking about Megan Chute doing it as kind of just keeping it tight. Hitting. So these are players that have been performing all competition in these conditions. England, if they win, it'll be because they've played their best game of the tournament. Yep. And hopefully that's what happens. But, you know, you're asking what I think's going to happen. I think it'll be going down under.
0: Ben Gardner. I actually think that maybe Healy with the bat has masked more cracks in the Australian side than we'd like to... Thinker there, I think that a lot of those. Oh, players we do like to think they're there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Uh, I think a lot of those players are maybe like we think of them as great players, but they I think they're probably great ODI players rather than great T20 players. Like obviously, like Pet Perry and ODI has that amazing consistency, and she, she can hit the ball a long way, but it's not like she's going to take the game away from you every time. And Meg no. Lanning as well is like she's she's not yet. Yeah, she's a very good T20 player, but she's not great. So I think if you can. Get Healy early. I think there are some cracks under there to expose. I, I, I think.
1: Okay, so I want to come back to that. So Meg Lanning, um, the original mega star of of, of women's batting, um, she's not a great T twenty player. Discuss.
0: Not, not she's 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 not one of the greats. I think that she. Uh, I I think her batting is based on sort of risk and reward and really and really eliminating risk and on sort of churning out runs, which suits ODI cricket and doesn't quite in the same way suit T twenty cricket. And she, I don't think she. Has quite this tournament uh, nailed her balance between attacking and and uh, and staying in Jones. Well, what I I think is peculiar is
2: that I'd say of all the pitches in the world, you'd expect Lanning to go pretty well on these Mm. these kind of pitches where it's not necessarily all about trying to score at eights and nines. You'd think this is where her skill as an ODI batsman batter rather comes Mm -hmm. into play, Mm -hmm. and actually, it's just not been the case. And I think. That does suggest that maybe she's not quite equipped anymore to kind of keep pace with the Wyatts and the and the Perrys and the Healy's. But I think she is too good a player; she's too skillful to not adapt. It's it, there's there's numerous players. There's one we've seen today in Sri Lanka who was written off and has come back with a slightly different technique and has succeeded. I I think Lanning's Lanning is in the same kind of category of. She will succeed, it's just
1: when. One one thing just to add, just to tie this one up, there is no sense of inferiority is there from the the England girls when they look over and see who they're up against. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've beaten Australia enough in the last few years uh, to fear nothing on that score. Um, I think it's going to be a humdinger. I'm glad that it's this final. I I I think everybody felt for the West Indies girls last night, openly devastated. Uh, This Mm -hmm. was their tournament. They've had a rough couple of years, and it didn't work out for them at all against Australia. There's ways to lose games of cricket, and that wasn't one of them, unfortunately. But I think this is the right final for the tournament. I think it's going to be uh, an absolute humdinger. I'll certainly be staying up, but then I always am at midnight on a Saturday night. Anyway, we'll leave that one alone. Um, There is something else happening um, out in Sri Lanka. Now, England, uh, after a old time of it away from home, uh, won their first Test match in 740 odd days two or three weeks ago, and then Glory B went ahead and won another one. Um, what are we learning about this team, Ben Jones? There's a broad question for you. <laughs> um, you didn't see that coming either, did you? No, you nor did I. That. To be fair, yeah, no, it
2: came out of left field, much like a lot of England's tactics. Lovely. Program. There we go. That's the link. Um, I think what we're learning is that they're <laughs> learning to embrace a kind of chaos which has defined them negatively for quite a while this sense of you know the uh, the selection revolving door who's opening the batting who's at 3 who's at 4 where's root who's stokes where's basto and all of a sudden that's been turned into a kind of a sophisticated fluidity partly that comes that comes through winning but with all the bowling options they've got, with all the all-rounders that are in there, it's taken the addition of a few specialists, Jack Leach and Rory Burns at the top of the order, and all of a sudden, they look like a team that's got a strong spine with loads of fluidity around it. Much like a very healthy spine.
1: Um, um, but t- to- total cricket, I think you've coined it.
2: Yeah, I was trying not to say it, because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of rowing back on the, on the term. Because Why? I've, I've, if you search it on Twitter, it's not gone down well. Um, but right, okay. yeah, what What have people said? I, th- I think there's a reluctance to say that a team that have as mixed results as England do are playing anything called total cricket, maybe like half cricket. But I think I, the reason that the reason I I, put, I, I wrote a piece for for, y- for your site this week about it, about talking about the idea that England are playing a different kind of cricket, not just a different quality, but they're playing a different, almost different sport. They're they're inventing a new strategy whereby it's not about your top five making 300 runs and then having four or five bowlers it's about everyone contributing a bit which is a bit a, a bit like a kind of technical a technical um, resemblance to kind of the Ajax football sides of the 60s which invented total football where everyone was expected to do everything mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what we're learning about England at the moment i'm intrigued to see whether they can sustain it going forward mm-hmm. I think, because i think that's the real test whether you can do it against sri lanka who are bereft of Rangona Harath. And when can they do can it against Sander Stoke Sander's on a Tuesday it. night in, exactly. in December? Yeah, yeah sure. Which, which to be fair, total football could. And that's going to be when it goes from half football to half cricket to three-quarters cricket to, to total cricket. That will be when they can, if they can win the Ashes playing this next summer with six bowlers and Adel Rashid at nine, that's when we can say England are changing the game.
0: Is there something in, I mean, I guess conditions around the world are more bowler-friendly than they've almost ever been or been for a long time at least, including... In England, but in those few places where that still does hold sway, I guess UAE, Australia, Australia, India, which are in a, almost I mean UAE not so much recently, but the, the the final frontiers for away teams is that where this strategy could come unstuck. they look like a team that can sort of hit their way up to three fifty now, and they've got enough options that they'll kind of do that most times. Yeah. But are they, they going to be able to make those those five fifties that are going to win them Test match? I there? think the
2: difference in that is going to be the. The, the way they're going to take that next step from being from making beautiful, inc- kind of bizarrely bottom-heavy 400s to making incredible 550s that win test matches is when your star players go to the next level. And it's going to be when Joe Root becomes the batsman, which, we, which he, we have seen in the last few innings that he can be. That's the difference. If you've got a guy who is making 150 at number four and you've got a, suc- a, a successful open partnership with two young guys... And then you've got all your your all rounder options below that. That's that's when the structure really comes into its own. If everyone's having to chip in because the top order's is failing, that's when you, you're making four hundred because you're bailing you're bailing other players out. It's when everyone contributes
0: mm-hmm. that you get the real true results. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's not just Joe Root that has further to go. I guess Ben Stokes has uh, no, as has more to bring in the bat, as does uh, Johnny Bairstow as well. Um, <laughs>
1: Are, are you looking at me to to lead it on to to, <laughs> if, if, if like to, the, to the Johnny B story well yeah of course Johnny Basto became the third uh, official number 3 in three test matches right from Moeen to Stokes to to Johnny in the third test match yeah although I although, although, there, yeah. although of course Joe Root went in effectively number 3 in the second innings just kind of backing up your point about yeah. the fluidity of mm-hmm. the side um and Basto infamously uh, twisted an ankle playing football before the start of the series. Missed the first test. Was declared fit for the second and wasn't picked for it. Came back, batted three, uh, and made uh, a cathartic hundred.
2: It's fair to say.
1: It's fair to say. Um, then he gave a fascinating interview to uh, to the TV and to the radio folks after after the match, um, and and he and he let a few things out, uh, and. Uh, asked why why he'd been castigated by quote people who don't really know what's going on, um, I looked up castigated to to, to <laughs> criticize someone or something severely uh, beyond reproach. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a fair call, but considering that I think there is a lot of support, uh, sympathy, and recognition of his brilliance uh, inside and outside the game. Um, so it does beg the question, is not it? Who are these these doubters that Johnny's identified well, <laughs> that, that he's had to prove wrong? I mean, I, I know Boycott said earlier in the season that he, well, he's probably not good enough to bat higher than seven without the gloves, but then what motivates Jeff is a murky and unpickable <laughs> mystery, so we can leave that alone. So perhaps he needs this fire do you think yeah well, this, to, to, to get himself going this,
0: this, someone wrote something and it goes, it says uh, they, they wrote that since the tour of India Bess's average against uh, straight deliveries has plummeted again now down to 9.28 uh, it's become too great a flaw to ignore since the start of 2017 of those batsmen to bat 20 plus times in a test Bes has the Fourth highest boulder LBW percentage of anyone in the world. This like, is scandalous because this
1: appears in Wisdom Cricket Monthly, yeah, of which Johnny is a subscriber. Of, yeah. I can confirm. It's
0: not an issue of mentality; it's an issue of technique. Said uh, said someone. I can't. Do you, do you remember who wrote that? Phil. I don't have much of the magazine yeah, anymore. Yeah, know
1: I know what you're saying. So Ben Jones, defend yourself <laughs> as the soul. Mudslinger out there, as, as, yeah. far, as far as we can see, because we've we've searched high and low for these dowsers. The soul castings outside the
2: game. Uh, I'm I. You know I am a fan of Bastro in ODI cricket to an extent, which he clearly which he clearly, does, which he clearly <laughs> doesn't recognise enough. Um, otherwise, he wouldn't be responding in quite so violent a manner. It's
1: possible he doesn't recognise you at all. Well,
2: we should. I, I would. At this, at but this but point, you are I'd some kind that. of archetype. <laughs> You're an archetype. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. What, I, what I would say is that Besto, when he came into the ODI side uh, in the Champions Trophy, made a technical change to his game, whereby he stood, he made more room outside off stump, he left more room for bowlers to target the stumps, and he looked to hit more to the off side with that kind of that weird kind of jerky drive, which is so distinctive and so kind of it's, it's almost iconic in the modern game. Mm-hmm. And he's made that technical change, and he deserves respect for making that because it's meant that he is now in the best ODI batting lineup in the world. That's
1: Staggering over he, in ODI cricket. Isn't yeah,
2: exactly. And he's, he's made that... He deserves a huge amount of credit, but the reason that he is now struggling more in test cricket is because of that change. That is a direct consequence, because now, bowlers bowl full and straight, and he gets bowled all the time. Mm-hmm. Now, in Sri Lanka, when he's not facing that much pace, that's partly why I think he's succeeded so much today. And I hope that the form that he takes, because he's clearly a form player, like the form that he takes from this series allows him to kind of propel himself onto the West Indies, where he then goes well again against slightly more pace, and then he comes back to England and he goes well again. Because he's clearly a hell of a character to have around the dressing room in terms of that bit of fire and that bit of spark. And if he can be doing what he's doing with that bit of grit and that bit of of all those kind of horrible stereotypical Yorkshire qualities, he... Is a valuable asset. You've that's never that's sounded more
1: southern in your life. <laughs> you that line, right? There?
2: Distinctly Midlands. Um,
1: is, um, so I'm w- w- fine. W- one thing: I'm, g- I'm going to take it down down the road of facts fig- and figures for once. Um, I think it's five of his uh, six hundreds have been made away from home. Is that right? Yep. Um, made a hundred in Australia, of course, at Perth. Hundred in uh, in Cape Town. Uh, obviously, hundred now in Sri Lanka. And I think a hundred in New Zealand as well. Um, uh, is his record at home? Inferior to his record away is a consequence of the moving ball, do you think? And this, this point that you are alluding towards... Or do you think it's a quirk of, of stats and that it will write itself in the fullness of time oh, there's no such thing as a quirk of stats
2: they're, <laughs> they're, they're always meaningful and they always have consequences. sure i am sure it will um, it will have it will write itself because best is clearly a talented player and he's clearly got the capability of adapting I think the bigger issue has been the the wicket keeping issue and I think that's distracted him as well as this technical change he he, he it, said, he said in this
1: interview he'd been dropped for no reason he said I'd done nothing wrong over the last couple of years Uh and uh, uh, and he essentially said, "I'm surprised to have been dropped, considering what I've achieved in the last couple of years." Uh, if that's not a direct uh, arrow uh, delivered towards the selectors and the and, and top brass of England, it seems like it's not just the kind of sort of characters of the fourth estate, such as your your good selves, <laughs> that he's directing these barbs. But but possibly even his own dressing room.
0: Well, yeah, because I mean, it's they're on tour, so the people picking the team are just just Bates and and Root, really. So. That that's kind of sort of, sort of who he, who he's referring yeah. to, and I mean I think that maybe one of the things with keeping is that that we, we we kind of deal in extremes whenever we talk about journalists and stuff, and when people are praising Ben Vokes keeping, there's a sort of tendency to do down best as keeping at the same time, and he has worked very hard at his keeping, and he has become a good wicket keeper. It's mm-hmm. just that he's he's it's and it's not really a slight on his wicket keeping to say that he should be. Concentrating on his batting, and as, as well as four of his six hundred coming away from home. Ultimately,
1: he's too useful a batsman, isn't he? Yeah. In, 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 a, in an often misfiring top four or five for England, uh, he, he's he's just too valuable.
2: The value of a, of a wicketkeeper surely goes down da- goes down the longer the game is, because the value of a single of a stumping in a twenty twenty match, which takes someone out of the game, is is huge. But in a Test match, over that period of time, it's better to have a batsman, but averaging forty five. That's why we've seen this move away from. Jack Russell's to Alex Stewart's. That's the that's the point and that's that's kind of um survivor of the fittest in action. Yep. Those keepers yep. survive for that reason. If we can have Bearstar averaging forty five, it's better to have folks in the side averaging forty as well, or thirty five
0: or whatever, because you're making the best of a really talented, valuable player. Yeah. Yeah. And he's all, all his six hundreds and his ninety nine have come batting in the first innings of the match as well, which sort of suggests that before he's got himself retired by throwing himself around behind the stumps. God, don't, the don't,
1: don't say that within the same continent as, as Johnny B. He will not have that. <laughs> um, it, for me, I just think this, we, we've got to maintain in Johnny this kind of sense of burning indignation. Uh, we, we, we have to allow him to believe, to imagine that people mm. are on his back. And then we will see that average soar inexorably towards the 50 mark that we all know is in there. For, John, for Johnny Best. We just need to keep him imagining that people are after him.
2: It reminds me of something that someone said about Diego Maradona, that he never scored a goal for his side. Every goal he scored was against someone. Yeah. I quite, I quite yeah. like that. If, John, if every 100 Johnny scores, is against someone, against everyone, then I reckon he'll make a good ten, fifty more.
1: Bottom line, what an innings. To come in 20-odd for one, uh, he's clearly housing the odd grievance. And to go out there and to focus it all, uh, to, to make a brilliant 100 on day 110, It finished 300-odd for seven, England. They may well have thrown away an impregnable position, but we shall wait and see. And, of course, these podcasts, they do tend to age quite quickly, so we'll (laughs) leave that one alone. Overall, though, outstanding performance by by Joe Root's team, and it is Joe Root's team.
0: Uh, Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, he's he's really stamped his mark. I I, I think people have been a bit, again, it goes up and down with how the team do, people are critical of captain or not. But I actually think there's been stuff to admire in Joe Root's captaincy all the way through. Maybe tactically, he has a bit to work on but that's coming I think we've seen in this series he's managed six bowlers really well which isn't an easy thing to do but I think um, in terms of creating a dressing room environment people say that Bayless is that well but I think Root has as well I think that uh, over what must have been a really tough winter tour England did stay a remarkably solid Mm. dressing room and there was no no hint really of of fallout inside there and I think that Root can take some credit for that and for keeping a, a team together when there have been maybe not on barestows batting, but in general, quite a lot of criticisms and he's now reaping the rewards. He's probably being a bit premature in suggesting that they're quite close to being the number one side in the world, although they, I think they're going to go up to number two if they do win this test. Which is and and if the and the they
1: win 5-0 next year, I think, if they beat Australia 5-0, they, they potentially go up number one. <laughs> is that right? Uh, yeah, anyway. Decent well, summer. We, we can come to that as and when, uh, chaps. Um, I just want to move on from, from England's garlanded winter uh, to look at the state um, of pace bowling in the modern age i'm gonna come to you ben jones because you're all over these magazines these days you must be doing something right and you've you've helped assist on the cover next month isn't it? yeah i believe so uh and you've helped assist um a piece in the the current issue of wisdom Gringot monthly where we have between us um with tin hats lodged hard on our, on our heads attempted to try and uh, identify the top 25 pace bowlers over the last couple of years in Test cricket and confect some kind of measurement whereby we can put them in an order. Try and explain for me.
2: Well, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, mm. The point that we were trying to prove is that you're, the answer to the question, who is the best fast bowler in the world, is it changes. All the time,
1: and we've not tried to ask that.
2: Exactly, the, the the question we've actually tried to answer is kind of who's the most skillful bowler in the world, and define bowlers according to the skills that they use to take their wickets, not how many runs it costs per one. And so we've taken this this uh, kind of this clump of twenty five of the elite bowlers in the world, and we've and we've ranked them by three different categories. We have ranked them by how accurate they are. Which we've kind of done according to ball tracking data um, from the grounds. We've ranked it by how fast they are. Again, same thing. And then we've um, ranked it by how much movement they get, kind of lateral movement, meaning movement through the air, i.e. swing, and moving off the pitch, i.e. seam. And we've ranked them all within that that, that 25, and we've given them, you know, if you're the best, you're number one, if you're the worst, you're 25. And then we've tried to produce a kind of metric between that very kind of simplistic, kind of spit and sawdust job. So so what's it it thrown up?
1: What's it thrown up then? Uh, Bearing in mind these three categories, just to clarify again, pace, Movement, accuracy. Uh, what's it thrown up? What, what little kernels have, have we discovered from this?
2: Well, I mean, the, he- the headlines are kind of who, who is, the, who is the, uh, the kind of most in every category. And it won't surprise many people to know that the fastest bowler in the world is Mitchell Stark by an absolute mile. Yeah. Which is quite fun because it's not it's And comfortably, than, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like four kilometers per hour, something like that. Yeah. It's, it's is he the only one averaging more than 140? Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think so. You put me on the spot there, Ben. But I, re- I, th- I think so. I think Cummins may be... Tipping over okay. into it. But it, we're talking serious, serious pace. Um, and what's, what we've tried to do then is not just look at whether Mitchell Stark is, is rapid, because he clearly is. We've tried to look at what else he also is. Mm-hmm. And so he also ranks really highly for movement, which for anyone who watched the, uh, the ball, my favourite ball of the year, which was his in-swinging Yorker to Moeen Ali in the ODI series start of this year, um, that won't come as a surprise. It's serious stuff.
0: Pull that ball to uh, to James Vince in the ashes. That one that hit the crack. And uh... yeah, that's 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 a different kind of level.
1: Uh, one of the things that jumped out uh, from from the research, uh, Ben Jones, is that uh, Ben Stokes. It's it's a, an afternoon of Ben's for us. Um, only bettered by one bowler in terms of lateral movement. So when Stokes gets it going, he's as good as any seamer in the world.
2: Well, that's, that's certainly one way of putting it. I think what it what it really brings to, the, brings to the fore is that we think of Stokes as this really fiery, intense bowler where he just kind of bounces people out, hits back of a length and scares scares batsmen. But that's not the case. He's, he is really skillful. and he really does hoop the ball when it gets going. It's partly helped by being in England, but not every single English bowler hoops the ball as much as Stokes. In fact, no one else does. Even mm-hmm. Anderson doesn't, mm-hmm. which is remarkable when you think how skillful he is. Um, of course, the man that's ahead of him, the only bowler in the world who swings the ball more than Ben Stokes is probably the most kind of alarming name for some people if you kind of just open the magazine and you see a, a number one next to Ishan Sharma's name, right? which is that if we take the aggregate of um, all these different rankings, so if you're ranked one in one category, two in another, three in another, then your overall ranking is six, and we kind of total it up like that. The guy with the, the lowest overall ranking is, is Ishan, which for A guy who can be considered a bit of a figure of fun or kind of almost like a cult cricketer that's quite a surprise, but the fact is, what that shows is that more than almost any other bowler in the world, he's so versatile. There are very you, you could wheel out four or five different pitches on day one when you walk out to the toss, and you, there's very few which are going to make you go, Well, we can't bowl this champ, it's bouncing, it's slow, it's swinging, oh, there's clouds around. You're still thinking, Yeah, he's probably our best third or fourth seamer, he's never going to be anyone's best, seamer. that's mm-hmm. not what we're saying, but he would form part of the best attack yep. basically anywhere in the world. And, and
1: also, just just whisper it, 256 wickets by the age of it's 30, bad, con- considering he bowls in India. Um, it's a serious record, really, and he's crept up on us. He, w- he was a shock when he came out at number one by these metrics. Uh, Rabada, who we all assumed would would, would take the, the plaudits, he's in at number six. Um, five Indians make make the cut in the top ten. Uh, of, of these, this list uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Anderson's in there I'm at once. number 3 yes. Josh Hazelwood made it at number 2 um, for more of this anyway you're going to have to read the magazine of course you're going to have to go and buy it wisdom.com and all the, all the other outlets uh, go and do the right thing folks subscribe, tell your mates, tell your neighbours etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, ok uh, finally, finally what can we look forward to this week Ben Gardner
0: I'm looking forward to the beginning of the Test Series between Australia and India. Speaking of all those fast players, <coughs> it'll be intriguing to see how they go on those pitches. It's got to be India, right? Well, it's got to it be India
1: for the first time ever to win a Test Series in Australia.
0: It's, it's, I can't think of them having had a better chance than in 2004 when there was no, uh, no Gillespie, no Warren, is that right? Um, Maybe,
1: no 3 4 yeah, where uh, Dravid was untouchable. But, but, but and they year, drew that series. No,
0: number one in the world, Australia without two of their, well, their two best batsmen. Yeah, I mean, if they don't do it now, they probably never will. I think, ben Jones. I, think that's, I think that's pretty fair, and that's probably what I'm looking forward to most as well. I'm really, really hyped for this series.
2: You can't not be. It's Virat Kohli playing Test cricket. It's this Indian team. They're the most likeable team in the world. They're amazing. Um, but I'm probably slightly, slightly offbeat suggestion. I'm looking forward to watching James Anderson not play cricket because I'm glad that he's been given a rest. Because every time I, at the moment when he goes out to play in a, a game at the end of a series, when we probably should be wrapping him in cotton wool and I watch him sending down another 15 overs. I think these could be used at a better time, lads. Mm-hmm. Um, and so watching him during this, this next test over the next few days, just sit, you know, have a, have a little drink on the sideline, run a few drinks out maybe, watch the telly, read a book. I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to watching him chill.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to seeing Johnny Bairstow's post-match interview after he makes a double hundred in the <laughs> second innings. Okay, I look
2: forward to the letter in the post.
1: <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back next week. Uh, I've been Phil Walker. Thank you again to Ben Jones, Joel Crick, Beers and to Ben Gardner. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. We'll be back next week. Cheers.
2: Podcast Network.